Hello, and welcome to the Telltale Podcast with me, your host, Kayla Goldsmith. This episode, I speak with Olympian Bendir Aboya. Bendir is traditionally a 400 meter athlete, but has her sights set on the 800 meter as well. She started her athletics career relatively late for most, 16. However, in a short space of time, she has become a phenomenon, going from a 60 seconds plus 400 meter athlete to Commonwealth Youth Champion in 2017, 2018 Commonwealth Games representative on the Gold Coast, and then the highest placed teenager at the 2019 World Championships. Competing at the Olympics last year was a massive feat for Bendir as she continues her journey. This episode, we talk all about starting her athletics career, her road to the Olympics, being a black woman in Australia, facing comparison with Kathy Freeman, and how she's gained enough confidence to call herself her own role model. She also answers the question some of you sent across for her. While you're listening, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you're listening from. Also follow our Instagram page, at the Telltale Podcast, that's at the Telltale Podcast. So with that, let's get right into it. Hi, okay, I can finally hear you. <laughs> that was crazy, I'm so sorry. Um, it's my, it was my first time using Zoom for my podcast, so. Oh, it's um, fine. So it was interesting, but I couldn't hear you, so that was just weird, I'll work it out eventually, but I'm yeah. glad I can finally talk to you here. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to get you on because honestly, <laughs> like this year watching the Olympics, I was watching you in awe. Like you were such a great role model and an inspiration. So it's so awesome to have you on and be able to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Can't <laughs> wait to um, start this podcast. Yeah. So um, my first question for you is kind of just a little kind of basic one to just get to know you a little bit so um would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone that doesn't know uh my name is Bandiri Boyer I'm an athlete and also a photographer on the side mm-hmm. um and I will be studying soon so I'm not a full-time athlete even though I I train all the time yeah um I will be studying soon a certificate for and disability mm-hmm. um and yeah I like to just um stay on my own sometimes and get things done I don't know I don't know if you call that introvert but yeah no (laughs) I definitely am an introvert fair enough fair enough um well you know I think you're really awesome and you know I'm quite interested to hear you know you said that you weren't doing athletics full-time so how was that kind of for you were you balancing like another job or something like that while you were doing athletics in the past um well I haven't started um all my like courses yet so it's yeah. something I'm going to be balancing okay. um, but for now I am just um just training yeah um, up in Melbourne so I moved from Sydney to Melbourne so I haven't been home for about five months now because mm. um, I went from Queens or Gold Coast to Townsville Townsville to Gold Coast Gold Coast yeah. to Brisbane and then straight into Cairns, that was our camp, our Olympic yeah. camp, and then went to Olympics. So, um, yeah, it's been a change for me. But um, definitely right now just trying to get um, into the new training because I changed coaches yeah. um, and moved up to the 800. So just getting used to that. And then um, later on I'll have to start learning how to balance things. Wow. Well, that sounds amazing. And, I mean, you know, after the Olympics I think you have a lot – um, that you can work with and work on as well so mm-hmm. it'll be great to get into that kind of full-time training for you I'm sure yeah it definitely will be I guess um, 
because like everything's so different now and even with the pandemic it's like you have to work around everything um but yeah. training and gym can still go ahead it's just it is kind of different um when the restrictions are bad it's like can you really train a group and stuff because you are training in a team like with your group yeah. so um that would be really interesting since I just moved up to Richmond. Um, yeah. We'll see how restrictions go. Yeah, and you've got a new place as well, I saw in your story. Oh, just yeah. moved in, right? Yeah, just That's moved amazing. in on Sunday. So um, it's a completely different, like, feel, not living with my family, but, yeah. yeah, it's kind of fine. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm quite interested to know how you first got into athletics because, you know, I, I don't think you're you, – I think you started quite – a little bit late for most yeah. athletics um, kind of athletes, but could you tell us how you first got into it and what it was like for you? I started getting into athletics well. Well, the thing is with me is I always wanted to run. Um, yeah. When I was younger, I just didn't know how to. And it's kind of with African parents, it's kind of like you either have to make your own move or tell them there's this thing you want to do yeah. or else no one, they're not going to really go out of the way to look online for like a little athletics club because they don't know what that is so for me um I was running here and there at school just like at a carnivals and then I really wanted to like start training outside of it and actually just like learn how to run and all this stuff because I knew there was so much potential there I just didn't know what to do um because my parents like didn't know anything about little athletics so I took it upon myself to look up little athletics clubs so um I started when I was like maybe like 15 or 16 yeah I'm at clubs and then um there was this friend that I had that introduced me to a coach and um I wanted to train going into Canada I was going to a Canada trip Mm -hmm. so I wanted to get ready for that so um that's when I broke a minute on the 400 then I came back and I just kept training so then my time just I was really clueless so my time just kept going down and I didn't really know how fast it was or how slow it was yeah all I know is um that year I ended up second in second fastest fastest in the world mm. um 2017 so that was it was different I'm like okay like we we go somewhere here and then um medaled at Commonwealth Games youth mm-hmm. um and then from then on I really I wanted more of a challenge so I remember watching nationals and it was opens I did juniors that time so I was watching the opens run and I was like to my coach at the time I want to run in with the opens. Yeah. Um, he was just like, yeah, we'll see how you go. And then the year after that, that's when I made my first Commonwealth Games team. Yeah. I ran in the opens team. So a lot of can happen in a couple of years. Yeah. And it's been like, it's been so much in that short kind of period of time from when you started at like 15 to now. And yeah, you know, most people usually for little athletics, at least they start like super young. Yeah. And you're just coming in and like the trajectory of your career, like, going so rapidly is is really incredible um and so how did your kind of like family and and parents and everything react to this kind of quick um move into the athletic space for you yeah um well I think with my parents they've always known I've always loved running yeah um my dad used to take me little things like after I introduced it to them that's Mm. when they started like help me out take me to the track and everything yeah um so they've always known I've wanted to run um but yeah, so my parents have been very, very supportive. Like even with me moving up to Melbourne, yeah, um, they've been very, very supportive. Um, my mom always says, "This is your job, so just focus on that." Um, and we'll see what happens. So, 
yeah they've been very very uh, great a great support system for me that's that's incredible um and I mean you know you said that you started a little bit late um yeah you know going into the sport at like that later age and having competitors that have probably been doing it for a little while yeah were you ever a little bit kind of nervous or a little bit kind of out of your depth at times and you know what was it like kind of building the confidence to the point where you were just like you know this is me I'm here to race and and you know take it as it comes well I think for me it helped the fact that I didn't really know most of the athletes yeah just coming to the sport I wasn't nervous mm. or anything I was not you as said. tall as them but yeah I just went out there and ran um yeah. I didn't really yes the fact that I didn't know them mm. helped me a lot because um there was no nerves there I just went out and just did my thing and they just yeah. the time just kept dropping um but it also did help, like, late on in my career because mm-hmm. um, I'm still that girl. Like, I still just don't care. Like, I, yeah. I just don't let the nerves get to me. So it's kind of just carried on with me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it's so important for sports like athletics and, and everything because you need to have that really strong mental game as well absolutely. as much as the physical game. Yes, absolutely. It's so – I think people um, don't realise how mental athletics is. Yeah, um, you can run and stuff, but if you're not mentally strong or healthy, mm. it's not going to go well. Um, you'll be kind of fighting your own demons, so you kind of right. just got to um, help your mental side, and that will help. You got to balance everything out. Yeah, I say, and that's something I'm going to ask you about a little bit more in a sec. But yeah. um, I wanted to know as well what the process was like figuring out that 400 was the main event for you, because I mean. You said you started off at school and running kind of carnivals here and there. I'm interested to know, did you try any other events before you kind of whittled it down to 400 or was, you know, 400 always the one that you were just drawn towards? Um, Well, for me growing up, I was told to do this, to that. Yeah. Um, But I always wanted to move at my own pace. Mm -hmm. I didn't want um, people to tell me, okay, you go do this because you have the legs for it or you're Ethiopian. Um, yeah. For me, it was just like, okay, let me just do what I want to do. Um, yeah. For me, it was important um, sticking with the fours just to get that speed there. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, I really just knew that I wouldn't be doing fours forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Late on, I wanted to move to the eights. Um, it happened earlier than expected. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I didn't. I don't think there was a point in my career, like earlier on in my career, before I like started like actually running fours where I was like, I'm going to do fours. I think it's for me, it's just like, okay, there was a 200 and that's too fast. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, what, 800. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Yeah. Um, and then fours was just the one in the in between. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I mean, like for me, I, I run like 400 at like a regional level. And that's yeah. like, I'm like so stoked about that. <laughs> You're running at like a literal like international level. But like for me, I'm, I found that like with sprinting, my physique, I just didn't feel like my physique was right for it. Because mm. um, I, I feel like I needed more strength and, and power on me. And I just felt like 400 suited me really well because yeah. like, um, I have good endurance and, and everything like that, but I also, um, it just, it was just more right for me. It was like the perfect fit. And like, as you said, it's kind of like the middle between everything. Yeah. It's like mid distance. So, um, I can understand how you kind of came down to that decision. Um, I mean, as well, you know, 400 meter 
something I wanted to ask you about was that like you know for anyone that has run it before you know that that like last 100 meter is grueling like it's literally the make (laughs) or break um I'm really curious to know what you work on both physically and mentally to ensure that you're able to finish off strong because I think Um, that's probably the weak point for so many athletes yeah um I guess for for me it was Oh, let's say this way. Um, the first two hundred for me is definitely not my fastest or yeah. best. Mm-hmm. But um, comparing to my last two hundred, yeah, I'll consider that my strongest part. Mm-hmm. Um, I love like I don't love. Yeah, no, actually, <laughs> I don't hate it. Yeah. But um, just getting that back back end stuff is really important. Um, for your last couple of meters. Um. Yeah. And I don't mind doing that work. Like I know some some people will be like, "Oh no, I can't like do all mm. these reps." But I actually don't mind it. I'm. I think coming off that bend, um, you really do need the help. Um, just getting those hips up and everything. You just need to kind of just um pull through and hold on. But mm. if you'll have all that back end um work. It's a lot easier. It helps yeah. you a lot more. Um, in the race um but then there's also that speed that you need for the first couple um meters of the 400 so it's it's just a mix of everything um but (laughs) it's yeah it's not as hard as people think it is Mm, and like we're not here to give away your secrets (laughs) but yeah I I have no secrets (laughs) are you sure we don't we don't we don't we don't want some competitive (laughs) We no, need I'm a Australia sure. number one for four years. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, no but, secrets. I just run. Yeah, no, and you're great at it. Um, and I mean, you know, as well, you said as well, going back to kind of when you started as like a 15-year-old um, running before you kind of joined athletics, what kind of times were you running? Or were you coming first outside of school, at school and things like that? And was that what kind of pushed you into it as well? That's actually so funny you asked me that because I was losing um, – <laughs> I was losing so bad until mm. like maybe I was I wasn't even winning when I started training full on. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't until I was like sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um I remember sixteen oh, winning my first day opens. Yeah. And that's when I was like, Okay, hey, Jerry, like you keep going and hit with this. Um that's when I also qualified for the Commonwealth Games, like you Yeah. But it was yeah, it the mm, I don't know, like, yeah. I don't know. It's, I was just run, running for the fun of it. But, um, mm. yeah, I don't know why I kept running. I'm not going <laughs> to lie because I wasn't winning. Yeah. Um, but then I just, something was just, it was just made me happy. Mm. So I just kept doing it. And for me, it was um, growing up because it was so, I was so shy. So it was hard for me to make friends. Yeah. So um, athletics really helped me with that. Um. I mean, giving your ti- getting that title a little fast girl or the, you know, how they say yeah. there's always a fast boy. I was yeah. the, fast, the fast boy in school. So, <laughs> um, no, it was fun and um, made friends with that. So, I think growing up, um, being like, I think there was only like two black kids in my year. Yeah. Um, it was hard because, yeah, it's like, obviously kids, like, they don't know what they're saying and it's like, mm. there's racism and stuff. So um, I use athletics and I gained a lot of friends because um, I did hang out with my sister when I started on. And she was like, you can't hang out with me anymore. And also, and I was like, hey, I need to make, I need to make some friends. Yeah. Um, sport was really there. Um, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like for me, I, I mean, I'm 17 right now. So I'm in like my last year of high school. But um, 
I I play soccer and I was always like the fastest girl on the field. Yeah. And so then, you know, all, that kind of translated as well to like athletics. Like I would win events at school and like I was first for like a lot of my events. I was age champion this year and whatnot. Oh, wow. But I don't, go. <laughs> but I don't train, right? So it's just like me playing soccer and then I just run on the track. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Like I've always wanted to do little athletics, but I just never had the time for it because I'm playing soccer and I have other things like this podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, and my dad's Jamaican as well. So like I was, I was just like, say, are you African? Yeah, my That's dad's Jamaican. Why. That's yeah. why you don't need to train. <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> I remember when I saw you this year as well on um on like the screen talking about like your journey and everything and how mm. you started kind of relatively later on. I was genuinely so inspired. I was like, maybe I should just go and start training. Of course. <laughs> maybe I, I feel can like end of it. Yeah. Yeah, like I love that fact that um you just don't train and you just you just go out <laughs> there. And yes, you're Jamaican. You're black, like you know. <laughs> no, but um, it. Yeah, genetics do play um, a big yeah, part. Yeah, they do. Um, but I like how you know you do have a side hustle, like you do do the podcast, and I think it's good to have that thing on the side that you do. Like yeah. for me, it was taking photos and stuff. Mm. So it is really good to do that. And there's no age limit to when you have to start athletics. Like I see yeah. kids on the track and. Their parents are like, oh, but they're too, they're too old. And I'm like, they're only like seven. Like, that's mm. so young. And yeah. I'm like, that is very young. So I think for, I think people think there is an age limit, but there's really none. Like, mm. you go out there. I feel like when you start later, you have so much more. Yeah. And you're, in the, you're kind of more mature as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you're in that phase when you're young. It's like you want to hang out with your friends well for me yeah. it was quite easy seeing being that introvert I would just like yeah I'd rather go train like you know I'd rather mm. just sit in my room and just do that yeah. um, I didn't have a childhood but I guess when I turned 16 my priorities changed and it was just like training um I can't really balance a lot of things which is why I'm gonna see how I go I'm balancing mm. school later on but um so when I was in high school it wasn't easy it wasn't hard for me to kind of focus because I put it all on track yeah. and um I guess I paid off but in the long run you know you do need you do need to like I wouldn't say have a backup but like have other options for you yeah have a side hustle like yeah. you said and I mean photography I I, I didn't actually know this but <laughs> yeah you said you do photography how did you get into that because I'm, I'm really curious um I got into photography because I like taking photos of other people. Yeah. I'm um, growing up not having a lot of confidence myself. Um, I was always the one behind the camera. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just taking photos of my friends. And then that kind of just built over the years. And I just followed photography pages. And I have my own page now. So I haven't uploaded on there for a bit. Oh, plug um, it. Plug it. What's the name? <laughs> it's Muse by B on Instagram. Awesome. All right. Um, but, yeah, no, I love it. And it's just like. Just seeing other people happy um, through my photos. And I like telling stories in it. Like, mm. I remember I went to sand dunes with my friend, um, Ishmael. So, and he's um, he's Muslim. So, I made him, like, wear, like, I'm, oh, I don't know what they, I don't know what it's called. Um, but it's, like, a tradition kind of. Um, traditional garment, yeah. Yeah, that he was wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of just embraced like his culture and stuff. Um, yeah. I think he was doing Ramadan at that time, so I really, I really did like it. Um, 
but yeah and then now it's kind of with sport I've gotten more confidence um doing Vogue and doing other shoots and now it's just like I like being in front of the camera yeah so more than maybe behind the camera now so it's kind of yeah it's 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 like growing process so it's kind of good yeah, no, and I've seen some of your photo shoots and you, and you look amazing in them. You look stunning. <laughs> Thank you. So it's it's awesome and you should definitely stay in front of the camera as well. But, I mean, it's awesome to hear that you also get behind the camera. And I think as well, you know, through mm. modelling and stuff, you'll learn a lot about um, how to kind of position your models and, and yeah. make, make them look the best. So it's good to have that kind of um, two-way kind of, I don't know, how do I, what do I even say? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I... I get what yeah. you mean. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, it actually is good. Like you go to a shoot and then they're like, "Do this, do that," and then yeah. you go do your shoot and you're like to them, "Oh, do this, do that." Yeah. So I get exactly what you, you mean. You pick it up. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, coming back a little bit to um, athletics, and you know how you said you you need to be really mentally tough um, as much as you do physically. So I wanted to ask, what do you do to get into the right headspace before and during your races? Do you have any like? techniques that you use relaxation techniques concentration techniques anything that you um would like to share with us that you kind of do to get um into the mental kind of space <laughs> yeah well um it was a secret of mine but I ended up oh my god seven... I just exposed no, no. <laughs> I ended up telling seven news other like okay. a year ago a few months ago so it's, it's yeah. not a secret anymore but no um I listened to so it's called um radioactive Mm-hmm. by Kendrick Lamar is like the remix kind of version yeah. and I have to listen to that and turn off the music by Chris Brown and I just yeah. kind of just legit I turn the music on I had a, I have headphones on I have mm-hmm. to find a quiet room and I just stare in the wall at the wall yeah. and I just like memorize how I'm gonna run everything and it doesn't give any pressure I kind of it, it like helps me mm-hmm. um and just doing that before like maybe two days or even on my race day helps me so much mm. um just getting that mindset so that's something I always have to do or else it's just like it just feels like I I'm not ready it's yeah like do it something it's that like a I, ritual it's a yeah it's a routine and I've been doing that ever since I was 16 so wow. it's kind of something I have to do it's special to you yeah um why those songs I'm quite interested in know. did they just like <laughs> <laughs> you know Chris Brown how he goes he there's this part that goes down that like he's like yells and he's yeah. like for me it's like I'm on the like I don't know how to pitch it picture it yeah. but I'm crossing the line and wow. it's just like me like always like looking at the clock I never see the time that I'm <laughs> see like I'm running and seeing yeah. it's, there's never the time that I see in my vision but it's always just me across the line and it's just like it's definitely always the last maybe 150 that I always have to picture and I'm just coming off that bend. It's just, it's something I've been doing. I don't know. It's so weird, but I do that. And then radioactive is the same thing. So I think for me, it's just the beat of the songs that mm. really just get to me. Like uplifting and kind of yeah. revs you up. Yeah. And it just like fires me up. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And I mean, I'm excited to see you at the next few games, like Commonwealth, Olympics, and so on. Cause, you know, when you cross that line coming first, I'm going to manifest it for you right now. Oh, let's <laughs> when all you do, manifest it. <laughs> when you do, someone has to play those songs like, <laughs> after you cross the finish line. Oh, well, I think only a couple people would know. Um, but after <laughs> this, a few more other people would know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely. And I'm going to manifest you going back to doing like track and stuff. So oh my God. getting up there. I would so. love to. I mean, I'm going to uni. So 
I'm like kind of scared to get into like uni sport because I just it's so competitive and <laughs> like as like everyone has started doing it now so we'll see we'll see maybe I'll end up running again yeah go ahead there's like uni games and everything yeah. so like don't be shy yes. go out there I Thank feel you. like one one thing I will say I feel like in life it's just like you're here to like get the most out of everything yeah even with like sport and everything so you know just go for it for sure you can yeah no 100% thank you for that advice <laughs> I'm so inspired now <laughs> um but something that I found really incredible about you is that you kind of openly view yourself as your own role model and I it's it was yeah. something that you said in a kind of interview before and it's something that a lot of people shy away from because you know maybe they think that they're being arrogant or cocky or they'll get viewed that way mm. but it, it really isn't it's so important to have that confidence and that belief in yourself so yeah. I'm quite interested to know why is self-belief so important for you and how do you think that your sport has helped you grow confidence wise it's something we touched on a little bit but I'd love for you to expand upon it well ever since I was 16 I think I got um headlines already next Mm. Freeman next this but I've always just told the news reporters um no I just want to be the next Banjero boy um so I've been always saying that ever since I was 16 Mm. um and it's just something that I think I just need to always let them know because media is always going to bring it out just for the headlines obviously yeah you know they really want that headline of Kathy like just mm. just draws more attention so obviously I wouldn't I wouldn't mind being compared to Kathy Freeman yeah. but I think um growing as myself and growing as a, my own athlete and trying to make my own name is really yeah. important I do let them know that no no I just want to be a Jerry Boyer mm. um but for me looking up to myself came when I was just Going through injuries, I had a PRP. Um, I had PRP on my groin, which I mm. didn't think I was going to come back from. Um, it wasn't as bad, but it was my first injury, and that kind of just like sh- like scared me. Yeah. Um, but I was getting ready for the Commonwealth Games, so I had a couple months to get ready. Done mm. PRP, didn't run the track for a couple months, um, but I still kept kept the process, like trusted the process. Mm. Um, and then we only went and hit the track for maybe like three weeks. And then that's when um, I was 17 at that time. So that's when I made my first Commonwealth Games team with the um, A qualifier. Yeah. And after I did in- get injured again, um, got a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I've always tell people, and I always got, and I got told this by someone else before, that um, injuries are blessings in, dis- in disguise. So yeah. that helped me so much. Um. But I look up to myself because I went through all that stuff. So I'm just like, honestly, there's no one else I look up to but myself because mm. there was a point where I didn't really think I could really manage and here I am now. Yeah, no, 100%. And, like, I look up to you. So I think <laughs> it's important you. you look up to yourself as well because Yeah, you and really that's also important. Yeah. Like, there's little kids that you need to you – t- I mean, I feel like everyone tells, tells kids in general, believe yeah. in yourself, I guess – growing up we got that a lot yeah like, um, believe in yourself but if they don't believe in themselves it's kind of just like you're just feeding them stuff mm. that you don't really believe in yourself yeah um and- so it is something good to like show kids that you actually do believe in yourself and you do trust yourself yeah, and I think even um, how you touched on it briefly about you know growing up as like one of the only kind of few black kids as as well at your school I think you know learning to have that belief and that confidence in yourself in in a landscape where you don't feel represented 
is, yeah. is really important as well. And I think you're you're becoming that representation for so many other young people of colour and, and women out there that, that really look up to you. So it's super important that you have yourself as your role model as well because exactly. you are that for so many people as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I think, like, with little kids, um, it's definitely important, like, especially the little, um, like, dark-skinned girls and dark-skinned yeah. boys. Um, just seeing someone at the level that you want to be at. Um, think growing up, I never seen someone, you know, I actually didn't see anyone except for American runners yeah. that were at um, the level I want to be at. So mm-hmm. if I could be that example to little kids, um, that's just great. Um, but yeah, it's definitely important to, it's not a lot of track um, athletes that are black in Australia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's maybe like maybe under 10, 10 yeah. 15. So it's kind of hard um, to, you know show them that there are people the same skin color as you that can do that yeah. um I guess this year was only me and Peter so it was in the aesthetic side so it was hard mm. to um kind of and you guys are killing it though <laughs> <laughs> so thank you but um yeah it is it's important to show kids um that you can really do anything and be whoever you want regardless of how many people you've seen doing it growing up yeah and I mean even for you know people that aren't even people of color I think you know just your story as this young up-and-coming athlete it's just so inspiring so you definitely do kind of um kind of cross the crossover and kind of get to appeal to so many different people so thank yeah. you so much you I'm are so our Australian, Australian <laughs> our 400 meter athlete you're not a Kathy Freeman you <laughs> are Bandiria so yeah it's awesome thank you I really appreciate that <laughs> no worries um so I also put up like a story box on my um on my telltale podcast Instagram yeah. page yeah I didn't tell them that I was speaking to you because I wanted to kind of get a little bit of hype and excitement for it yeah. so I said it was I would be talking to an Olympian and they everyone got so so excited <laughs> um so these are all questions from a few of my listeners who wanted to know a little bit about the Olympics and kind of um, things that you um, are feeling towards, you know, the whole thing and, and your experience there. So yeah, the first one was from Nikki and she asked, are you good friends with any of the other Olympic athletes in your own team or from other countries and or sports? Yeah, um, on the closest, I was really close. On the team, I was closest to Peter Bowl. Yeah. Um, and then I do have a couple of friends that are outside um, track. I feel like when you have the same agent in another country with yeah. that same age, um, with the same athlete, it's kind of like you see them on the, like, yeah, your, what do you call it, your management, like posting yeah. them. So they kind of know that who you are. Yeah. So it was kind of good just um, seeing everyone, a friend up in Britain. So it was good seeing her and just saying, hi, we have the same agent. So mm. um, definitely good seeing those type, like other people and just like seeing that, okay, we're going all going through the same thing, like pandemic. Yeah. Um, but we could all come together and still just like get this job done and have an Olympics because that didn't happen like last year. Mm, yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, as you said before, you were kind of relatively shy growing up. So, mm. you know, being in a space with all these other Olympians, yeah. I guess you have to kind of, you're kind of forced to come out of your shell. Exactly. Even with like all the media attention as well, you're getting interviewed all the time. <laughs> so like you're forced to come out of your shell. If no, no that's actually so true. <laughs> Someone asked me, I was like, Sam, I'm an introvert. And they said, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. I just have to not be one because of this. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just talking to you guys right now. So I can't Because be I one. have to. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, 
I feel like you learn how to get out of your shell. Yeah. Um, and it's important to do that because if you do want to like get your name out there or if you do want to be this person, it's like you can't really stay in your shell. You got to get out there and do this or do that. So it is important to learn how to get out of your shell. And it's it's not bad to get out of it. It's mm. not like you're not being you. It's just that they're seeing another side of you. Yeah. And then it's fine to go back into your shell. So it's it's something that it took time for me. Um, definitely on Australian teams. Um, world championships. Uh, I had a coach back then, but I kind of just wanted my own space. So I just told him, like, you know, um, could I take this one on my own? Yeah. So I went there. Um, showed people. I think another side of me that people really didn't see. Um, I guess it's when like. Yeah, at that position, I was in a I was in a position where it was just like I felt like I couldn't be me. Um, yeah. So when I just told him I just want to go myself, he was just like see another side of me. So it is important to do that and let people do know. Like, yeah, sometimes your face might just like stay still, but you are this like nice girl. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And yeah, I I, I completely understand how that would feel for you, but it's also like I think as well like your growth in terms of your kind of confidence and everything yeah. like that for people that are shy right now like it doesn't mean that you're going to be shy or, or introverted forever like you yeah. eventually grow and and become a lot more confident in yourself so I think you're truly a testament to that as well which is great yeah <laughs> I'm just like I'm just showering you with compliments <laughs> um but my second question for you is again from Nikki and she yeah. asked what does a typical day in your life look for you and how many hours in a day do you train so <laughs> now it's kind of like because I just started my with a new training group on Monday yeah so I moved in Sunday started training on Monday mm-hmm. now it's um I think it's going to be more hectic um not hectic but yeah no hectic um so yeah. <laughs> so now it's just like Monday training five maybe like two hours um get back recover next day um next day for me it's kind of just like see I'm trying to figure out um I well, no, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out but it's going to be quite easier for me to um study because yeah. the next morning it's just like okay you're waiting all day until five o'clock like you know you want something to do because I remember on um, Tuesday, I was just like, what am I going to do for the rest of the day? Why have um to have to wait to training? Because, like, you know, you don't want to be up on your legs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then today, it's just like I wanted to get a massage. So it kind of does help out me moving here because everything's so close. Yeah. I didn't realize everything, how close everything was. Um, So, like, every session or gym, everything is about, maybe under 10 minutes from me mm. um just a drive so it's really really close comparing to where I was in Sydney so far away yeah um everything was really really far away so everything now just 10 minutes is like two minutes for me yeah. um but then it will be like Thursday tomorrow have another session and then I think Friday's my rest I'm not sure yeah. um it might be another session since this is my first week like actually a new um program and mm. um, Saturday I have a session and then Sunday will be our rest so yeah it's kind of going to be interesting trying to see where my coach just like um tries to put my not case but tries to see like I mean, it's we're going to be interesting because me going up to eights now um I obviously have to be running more so it's quite interesting yeah. to see how he's going to um do that and are you planning to run eights at the next Olympics? Like, what? Where? Where are you planning to go with it? In I, the 
close think it's something that we have to decide on the way yeah fair um enough. i feel like it's not gonna i'm not gonna lose anything like training for the eight because they only help my four mm. and i'm not gonna i still do speed work on mondays so and i'm not gonna lose anything training for like you know i'm training as an 800 runner right now i think i think um <laughs> but like yesterday i died um yeah and then tomorrow I'm going to die again. But I feel like for me, um, coming and I had, a, or I had an American coach to start off with, um, yeah. really hard training. Um, and then I think my last coach that I had for two years um, after him, so I just mm-hmm. left him after Tokyo. It was just like, um, I think I took the easier road. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I definitely didn't see myself, my, but my potential coming out more at training yeah so for me it was important to um just like you know try find someone that could actually bring that out of me Mm -hmm. um so it was perfect me coming to melbourne but yeah yeah. so with the um how many days i trained i don't really know that yet because it's just my first week yeah fair enough yeah (laughs) but yeah i mean you've kind of you've moved around not even just in terms of coaches but also like even in your early stages I think you moved to different little athletics places yeah is that true yeah Yeah, I did um for me it was just like I was that little girl and I'm like I want some competitors like what do you mean like you know (laughs) so um I definitely got the hang on it because I was like listen let me use this to have fun with and then you know all the other stuff because that's when I did find out the seniors and when I was watching Rio, um, the last Olympics, I was watching it from my couch and I wasn't even an athlete at that time. Yeah. Um, I was barely training. I think, yeah, I was barely training. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, I remember going on a little, the page, like the website. Yeah. And seeing all these Australians and just watching at home. I was like, I want to make the next Olympics. So That's that crazy. That's literally crazy. <laughs> that's surreal. And then you made it, which is which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the next question was from Annette. And she asked, is the competitive atmosphere uplifting or toxic, motivating or crippling? And I think this is an interesting one because I guess it will differ from person to person. And, I mean, early on you said that you weren't really phased by people because you didn't know who they were. But, mm-hmm. like, now at an international level, I'm sure you know who your competitors are, right? And yeah. I'm interested to know, you know, is that atmosphere uplifting or is it toxic? And, yeah, how do you uh, feel about it? Well, I think everyone's different, for, but for me it's really uplifting. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have, like, other people. It was kind of hard for me um, last season because it's just, like, I really didn't have a lot of competition. Mm. So um, I went to go overseas and that obviously couldn't happen with yeah. the pandemic. So it was really hard. But mm. I've, it's definitely uplifting. Um, I guess it's how you how you see it in sport. Like if you – some people will see it as a threat. Some people won't. Um, yeah. It's definitely just how you your mentality is and, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And, yeah, it's it's nice to know that you see it as uplifting. And I yeah. guess – yeah, with you, you've always been chasing more competition. So exactly. Yeah. So for me, I would love to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another question is, you know, how do you find the will or motivation to train on days when you're just not really vibing with it? <laughs> like, oh my god. Because I mean, there's some days <laughs> when you're gonna be like, yeah, I'm into it, I'm ready to go, and then there's some days where you're just like, no, I can't. Yeah. So how do you find that motivation? I don't think I do find motivation. I think <laughs> I just go to sleep. I have a nap. Yeah. 
and then I'm just like, okay, I just have to go. But mm. then as you warm up, because you would do a warm up and you listen to music, I think everything just changes because you're just like, okay, do that, do this. Sometimes yeah. I do um, watch my old races just to find a little bit of motivation because I know mm. it's it's pretty hard. Um, and then you just go out there and do it because you can't just sit on your couch and you're gonna you're gonna lose everything you just gained. So yeah. it's kind of hard. Yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah, I, I guess it's important to watch back like old because sometimes you forget the like, mm-hmm. end goal. Sometimes exactly, like, you're it's you're doing like, this to be the best, and yeah. sometimes you forget that. You so. do, and it's like, okay, stick to the plan. You like yeah. you knew it wasn't gonna be hard. Yeah. So. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, you knew it was going to be hard. Yeah. You knew so, it was going to be easy. Yeah. And the only way that you'll get to those high points and those, like, calm points is when you put in the work now. Exactly. So. Like, I feel like um, you could say you want this and that, and but if your actions don't show and stuff, everything always counts. Um, I think going up to Olympics, um, that's when I actually had to – how I call – what, what did I call it? I actually realised how important – things like iron and stuff is because I didn't know how important it was but I was at a point where um I actually didn't mention this to the media because they asked me I yeah. guess they already knew and just wanted me to say on social on the tv but I kind of kept that in um but having like I had an iron fusion before I went to Tokyo mm. just a couple of weeks in the camp um my iron was so low um I was feeling so weird just training up in Queensland by myself yeah. I just thought it was like, hey, I don't, it's just because I don't have anyone here. But it was just so much more than that. Um, mm. Getting that low eye and then he, like finding out I do have a infection in my ear because I was sleeping most of the night. And I would just, one night I just had to like, I was like, I was like, what's going to happen to me? I was like, do I have COVID? Touch wood because oh I God. didn't. But like, yeah. I was at a point where like my nose was like hurting, my ear was hurting. And I was trying to figure out why my left ear was hurting so much. And then it kind of just went for a couple of days and then my nose hurting, then everything was just hurting. Then to find out my ear was infected. So there was wow. a couple of things I went through um, just before I left Tokyo, um, which is the worst timing. But, you know, it was either going to happen then or a week later and when I was in Tokyo. Yeah. And that would have been way worse. Yeah. Um, I'm like, this is just off the cuff, but I'm currently studying PDHV at school. So like, we've been learning all about, you know, athletics mm. and, and post-recovery and, and all that kind of stuff, but also, um, you know, acclimatization and things like that. So when you're, for instance, traveling to Tokyo yeah. um, and like adjusting to the different kind of time zones and the different, cli- is it hard for you to adjust to or is was it quite normal? Because I mean, Japan's not that kind of yeah, different, off, yeah. I guess, but um, have you been in any other countries where it's been difficult to adjust or? Yes. So I think the hardest for me was, I'll say Commonwealth Games. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no. I'll say Doha. Yeah. Because I remember after my race, I don't know if I was too excited or whatever, but I couldn't sleep. I slept like 3 a.m. and I was racing the next night. Yeah. Um, But Bahamas too was hard. I think Mm -hmm. with Japan, the fact that it was only like an hour difference or something. Yeah. And being up in Queensland, um, it was just so much easier. Yeah. So it wasn't as bad, to be honest. Um, That definitely helped out, though. Just, like, mm-hmm. it kind of felt like you were actually in Australia. And yeah. then you would just, like, keep, like, driving because we were in a village. You drive out and there's just, like, locals just waving at the buses. Yeah. Everyone was so kind. So yeah. that's when you kind of just, like, knew you were in the village. Like, mm-hmm. it was really weird because 
for me, I feel like there wasn't that many that that big atmosphere. Like you watching the TV and stuff, and it looks like it looks like it's not even like it doesn't seem like it's just like empty Olympics. Um, yeah. But then when we go back to the village and stuff, it was quite empty. Um, not a lot of things to do, so I just started getting my life together. Then that's when I just yeah. had to find a new coach and everything. So I just prioritized that time that I had in the Olympics. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I mean, Japan would have been so fun. Had you been before? You actually competed I there? haven't been before. Yeah. Um, I remember last time, yeah, no, I didn't go on the relay team, so I didn't go. Um, mm. I was prioritizing my individual at that time. Yeah. So a lot of missed opportunities, but um, yeah, hopefully I could go. Like, I loved it. So hopefully everyone's so nice. Like you, I didn't find anyone that was so mean. Everyone yeah. had the like nicest energy, and they're just like so uplifting. So yeah. hopefully one time I actually just want to go for a trip, just like something I can just mm. with. Um, because all these trips I have like been on, it's like I was going to like to get a job done, or yeah. to get this done. So you didn't get to enjoy it as much. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. But, I mean, the fact that you get to kind of travel as well, though, for your job is pretty cool, though. Like, in itself, I think it's pretty cool. No, it is cool. Like, I'm not going to complain, to be honest. Yeah. But But I I understand, like, being able to go without having, you know, a race the next day is probably a lot more complicated. (laughs) You'll get to enjoy it. Yeah. No, it's kind of just like, um, I feel like when you do have an individual and relay, it's harder. Well, mm. for me, for Olympics, it was hard, like, not turning off from my race because yeah. um, because of how, like, much I do want to run again. Yeah. Um, it was hard switching back and trying to get into that, tap into that um, mentality again because mm. it was just, like, you want to, like, turn off and be, like, off-season mode and then yeah. just go eat, like, whatever you want, do whatever yeah. you want. But it's, like, you can't do that because the relay is always at the end. So it's, like, okay, you can't really sacrifice this. Yeah, and I mean, you had two events, and then mm-hmm. there was as well, though, and like that was hard in itself. So I can't imagine, like, you know, especially with swimmers who like are doing like so many yeah. different races, like one after the other. I can't. I don't know how they do it. How that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So the next question for you is from Brooklyn, and yeah. she wanted to know: Is the effort required to make the Olympics worth it? <laughs> what was that? Sorry. <laughs> is the effort required to make the Olympics worth it? Is the effort required? Yeah, so, like, all the effort you put into kind of training for the Olympics, was it worth it? Like, was oh. going there worth it for you? <laughs> um, yes, only because I could, you know, you look back and you're just like, hey, I made a dream. I told myself I'm going to make the team six years ago yeah. and six years has passed and you did that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just, like, goal stuff. You could just tick off and be like, okay, I did that. Yeah. And it just kind of just, like, like you know, you didn't win a, you didn't win something, or some people did, but it's just like it's kind of feels like you did because you, you've like accomplished all this stuff. Because it's kind of hard, like going out a year with it's as as like weird as it sounds, it's hard going a year without getting injury or getting a niggle. Yeah. So like to accomplish that and still be on the line and make that, it's mm. quite great. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, it's like your whole career. So like the Olympics is like the, like the highest kind of yeah, career, I guess. So exactly. I, I, it would definitely be worth it for you. I'm yeah. Sure. Well, everyone's dream is to um. Well, every athlete's dream is to who makes the Olympics. So yeah, I feel like after a while, you're just like hey, like no matter no like 
put aside how like you performed or whatever you just like I made the Olympics so it's just like yeah and like you have that practice under your belt as well like it's your first Olympics so it's only going to lead to more and more and plus as well you even said you had a lot of takeaways in terms of just like confidence and meeting new Mm -hmm. people and and all the media that came with it as well so you'll be a lot more prepared for the next kind of um, competition that comes to you no absolutely and just like calling yourself Olympian like it's pretty cool yeah I saw it in your bio and I was yep. like that is so cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah like to have that title um so the last question from a listener was mm-hmm. there's a lot of conversation about the pay that athletes get and it's now coming to light a light that some athletes or many athletes don't make enough money when they're yep. preparing for the Olympics you know because things like training for the comp can be really expensive so from your experience or based on the experiences of athletes you know do you feel that there's a need for more financial backing for athletes um absolutely like, yeah absolutely um we don't get a well, I'm not I'm not going to speak for myself, but I'm not going to speak for other people, but I speak for myself. I don't think um, there's a lot of money that goes in towards helping athletes, or I'm going to say all athletes. Yeah. Um, But it's kind of just like something you're just going to be like, eh. like you can't get a lot of money off this sport unless you're like top in the world. Mm. So um, for me, it's just like, you know, you use your name, build that up and then do whatever you want to do with it. If you If that's like talking, speaking in front of like schools or if that's being a model like use aesthetics to build yourself up for me Mm. it's just like I've seen aesthetics is the only thing I was kind of good at so I just lose this to build my name and then obviously my end goal is to build a school in Ethiopia so if I can help myself being Olympian adding that to myself um you know a lot of things come out with it like you know you get you get connections with Channel 7. You get connections with Channel 9. Like, yeah, you know, all these connections that can really help you build your actual dream. Um, yeah. You know, you just have to take it. But with the with the sporting and the financial part, you know, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of people that will pay you to go speak to kids or the people that will pay you to promote their brands. It's, like, yeah. really promotions that will help you a lot and also your contracts. So, there's a lot of things that um put together that can help you. I think it's just got to be smart with some things. Yeah, you have to be smart with it. And, like, you know, as you said, it's important to have, like, side hustles, I guess. And so yeah. things like, you know, your modelling or your sponsorships definitely will help with that. Yeah. And, yeah, as you said, building that name is so important because, I mean, even after, you know, you maybe retire from athletics you still have that kind of name and that mm-hmm. prestige and you can go and, like, report as a sports presenter for, like, the next olympics or something exactly. you can, um you know be the face of some big company like there's yeah. so much you can do but yeah i think in the sport as you said there's not enough financial backing and hopefully that does change soon because i do think you know you guys are representing our country like yeah. you are the face of our country <laughs> when people go and overseas and watch tv they're seeing you guys you are the faces of australia so yeah i yeah. think it is important um but it hopefully it does change um for the next generation or whoever yeah um definitely something that needs to change but at the same time you know some people do do it for the love of it um yeah. it's always the money so yeah. you know it's kind of it'll be good to see a change but then it'll also be good to um see more people in the sport you know yeah. probably stop stop and change a lot of things yeah yeah, I think, you know, even regardless, as you said, of the financial backing, yeah, people love the sport. So yeah. doing it for the love of it is really important. And I think those other things will come along with it. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, I mean, before we wrap up, I'd love to ask you, what did you learn from your experience at the Olympics that you'll be able to apply for the way that you train and prepare for the next? I learned to not only take care of the things I see, like uh, obviously, like let's say, for example, I watch a video of me running, mm. um, to also take care of the inside, not just the yeah. outside, mm-hmm. um, because the inside is what is go- you're going to need. Yeah. Um, to keep yourself going like you know you have to be healthy inside too so that's something I'm definitely going to um improve on the next couple weeks and Mm -hmm. years leading into Olympics I have a dietitianist now um so it's perfect um but yeah and also just have fun you know I try to do that I really try to do that a lot um but it was it was quite hard this time Mm. yeah fair enough but I mean like yeah as as you said this is like the first step for you I think like yeah. your career has only been like pretty short, like relatively yeah. short. And so there's so many more years ahead of you. And I, I, I'm so excited to see what is to come for you. I'm really excited, like genuinely. <laughs> I can't wait to see you get that gold medal. And then I can be oh, like, you guys, <laughs> I actually had her on my podcast. So <laughs> Well, I'm excited to um let me know how you go with your athletic journey and stuff. Thank you. Let me know if you even go for a jog or a run. Oh my god, or yeah. If you I will. join a club, just let me know all those details. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yes. Well, thank you you for having me on here. Thank you so much for being here. I had a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, I'm so grateful that you kind of like came out of your shell today to talk to me. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you for having me. Have Have a a good day. day. Yeah, (laughs) you you. too. All right. Bye. 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 And with that, we come to the end of this episode. A huge thank you to Bendia for taking the time to chat with me and a big thank you to you all for listening. If you'd like to keep updated with her, you can follow her Instagram page at underscore Bendia. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify to be notified of our next interview. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, feel free to give us a five-star rating. Also follow us on Instagram. Our username is at the Telltale Podcast. That's at the Telltale Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube for video interviews and new content. I'll put the link in the description of this episode. For business inquiries, our email address is telltalemedia at outlook.com. Thank you again for listening to Ben Deer's Tale, and we'll see you next episode for another exciting interview.